been given the task of being sent out to a remote aerodrome, especially one that you haven't been to before, can be quite a daunting task sometimes. Our options become limited and information on the destination can sometimes be quite sparse or contradicting. In today's episode, I'm going to talk about all the little things we want to think about when flight planning to remote aerodrome and how to go about getting the information you need before you head out. All that and more coming right up, so strap in and let's get into it. G'day everyone and welcome to episode 37 of Flight Training Australia, the podcast all about flight training and flying in Australia and beyond. I'm your host Trent Robinson, thank you for joining me. Very sorry, again, this is two in a row, I'm not happy. Um, Today's a Friday, this should be out on a Monday, but I have been struck down hard with COVID. Uh, I was at the V8s officially on the weekend, absolutely fantastic event and uh, absolutely loved it. This F-35 display was like something I've never seen before. It was just amazing. So hats off to the RAF for putting that on. And uh, there's some photos on my Instagram page if you want to have a look and the video coming out. But uh, yeah, Monday, Tuesday, I was just feeling hot and terrible and looks like the Rona finally caught up with me. So sorry, guys, I just have not had the effort to, uh, or the energy rather, to do anything. You can still probably hear it a bit in my voice and uh, I'll do my best to get through this one. Um, Otherwise, yeah, we did the CareFlight presented um, workshop the other night. Thanks to CASA for uh, the support and funding for putting that on. It was a really good turnout by everybody up here in Darwin and uh, a nice wide range of uh, experience and backgrounds attending and inputting into the workshop. Being a workshop, we tried to make it a bit more of an interactive chat with everyone to pull the resources together um, rather than a seminar where we're just talking at people. So what I wanted to do today is just go through my uh, component and I'll sort of give you a cross-section of what everybody else did and take you through it all. So the scenario was uh, you've been presented as a new charter pilot, a charter flight to Kiani Station and the flight would be conducted in a typical GA sort of aircraft, so either a 210 or a, a Baron if you're more in the upper level echelon. It didn't really matter. It was just to put some context to it. Now, Kiani Station is located about 420 miles to the southeast of Darwin and on a bearing of 131, and I will have this... Uh, up on YouTube as well. So you'll be able to have a bit of a look at that and check it all out. All right. So the concept is it's going to remote airstrip. Now, what is a remote airstrip? Well, it doesn't have to be up here in the NT. You can have remote airstrips all throughout Australia, pretty much anywhere inland or even coastal areas that are away from major populated areas. It's typically going to be an airstrip that's not particularly well kept, Um, or frequented by aircraft, all right? It's uh, more in maybe an emergency strip, so a lot of station strips don't get used a lot, but they're there just in case. Um, And they can 
change and fluctuation of use being a wet and dry season, summer and winter and all that sort of stuff, tourist on tourist seasons. And so their strip condition uh, can change quite dramatically sometimes as well, sometimes even overnight or during the day. Um, in the Territory, a lot of the major airstrips are all sealed for the very fact that we have obviously the wet season up here and the torrential downpours can just render airstrips uh, unusable. So we want to make sure that the information we get on these airstrips is accurate and up to date, and we'll get into that in a minute. Now, one of the things I talked about before we went any further was a thing called confirmation bias. Now, what is that? Well, confirmation bias is, by definition, the tendency to to process information by looking for or interpreting information that is consistent with one's existing beliefs. All right, so I'm going to want to go and do this charter flight. All right, I'm the, the new charter pilot. I want to get this job done, so I'm not going to say no. All right, I'm going to look for all the information that's going to support my belief that I can go and do it. And this can be the beginning of the Swiss cheese for some, where everything's saying, no, don't do it, but we find that one little bit of information that we manage to sort of skew our way and convince ourselves that, nah, she'll be right, mate. All right? So we've got to be careful confirmation bias, and this is the way I, I led the presentation to talk about this because there's always going to be that get-the-job-done attitude, which is fantastic, but at the same time it can contravene and contradict our common sense. Sometimes it's like, yeah, we could probably do the job, but it's better if Blogs does it instead. Um, or it might be an opportunity for a senior pilot to do it and you ride along with them to go and get some of that experience as well. All right, so company uh, thought process of getting the job done, but not necessarily the individual. So you've been given the task. What do you need to consider when getting a job like this? Have a think about it. Firstly, it seems logical, but where is it? Is it even achievable in the aircraft platform that you operate? What do I mean by that? Does it have the range? Can you get to the destination and then somewhere on the way back to refuel? How long do you need to spend on the ground? And we're going to need an alternate because all of that's going to play into the part of you being able to accept this job. 422 miles is a fairly long way. And as we'll see, County Station doesn't have weather forecast, doesn't have any accurate info. So we're going to need an alternate if we're going to head there and somewhere nearby to go to. We're going to be able to need to reach that without any uh, problem at all. So we need to know where it is. And as I mentioned, alternates and fuel availability. Is there anything from drums? Okay, drum refueling, whole nother topic. So I won't go into that right now. But um, if you haven't refueled from drums before, there are some procedures that need to be followed to ensure safe refueling. And that is definitely a topic I'll get to at some point. The next one is aerodrome condition and suitability. How do we know if the strip is suitable? And we're going to get into that in a minute. And also the weather. But ultimately, at the end of the day, 
with all these things saying, yes, are you still capable of meeting the task? And I'll give you an example. And this is going to feed back into my confirmation bias. When I was a boy or a young commercial pilot, uh, I literally walked into the building and I was confronted with um, one of the senior pilots and a farmer and basically said, this is Farmer Joe and he needs to get back to his farm strip down in Bridgetown. Go get your, set, your headset and uh, a chart, draw a line on the track and uh, get going. Okay, where am I going? Oh, it's a, it's a farm strip and uh, the Baron goes in there regularly. It'll all be fine. Okay, off we go. Jump into 172. It had already been pre-flighted by uh, one of the other instructors um, or the other pilots. This is at the Aero Club and uh, jumped in and off I went. So there we go. Confirmation bias. Tick, 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 tick. Everybody said it was going to be fine and off I went. And why shouldn't I believe that? Got down there and it turned out that the paddock, yes, not airstrip, but paddock, was on top of a hill surrounded on three sides by high pine trees and bush gum trees and stuff. It was literally a uh, pasture paddock for cows. The farmers were all keeping the cows restricted to one end of the field. It wasn't exactly smooth and even. Uh, I did a inspection pass first, realised that it was a one-way-in turnaround and back out the same way to get out again. It was perched right up on top of a ridge in a valley. It was a beautiful spot. Um, and, yeah, coming into land, on the ground, off the ground, on the ground, off the ground, smashing through cow pats and everything else. Pulled up to uh, where the farmers were with the cows, chopped the farmer off, he got out, I turned around, chuffed off back out the other way. So there's a classic example of information, but was it the best information and really being relevant to what we're trying to do? All right. So heading down to County Station, if you look it up, the uh, the code is uh, Yankee Kilo India November. And Kiana Station is just to the south of another uh, major airstrip. It's the only real major airstrip in the area and that that's suitable, and that's MacArthur River Mine. So MacArthur River Mine could be a suitable alternate. The problem is it's a mine and anyone that's dealt with mines, uh, they're very restricted on who can use the airfields. They're always worried about um, liability and insurance and accidents and just unnecessary paperwork. So prior prior permission is required in MacArthur River Mine. You can get fuel there. It does have a TAF. It meets all the requirements as a suitable alternate, but you would need to get prior permission before you departed. At the end of the day, in an emergency, of course, you could land there if you had to, but we want to do things properly. All the other airstrips in the area are ALAs, so there are other places you could land, but they would not meet the alternate requirements. Alrighty, so heading down to the strip, we want to do a strip inspection. So what's open to us? Well, obviously, we can do our very own strip inspection, and I'm sure you remember from your training, either what you're currently doing now or done in the past, that you should have done a strip inspection or a runway inspection at some point. And you would have done something where you would have done a pass. It's very much like a precautionary search and landing, 
come down and do a uh, approach and fly low along the runway, 100, 200 feet or so, inspect the surface, have a look at the approach, and also time the length of the strip. And we can do that by uh, using a formula of half airspeed times time. So if we stabilize at 80 knots, half of that is 40, and it takes 20 seconds to fly the length of the strip, it's going to be approximately 800 meters. And that formula does work pretty well. All right, but there's other things we want to find out as well, is the actual surface condition. If it's just been raining, it may not be obvious that it could be soft. Where's it going to be softest? Typically on the edges, because the runway, if it's been built with any uh, engineering to it, it should have a camber or a slope outwards to the edges, just like roads do, so the water runs off and clears. But that's going to mean a lot of the water is going to pool on the edges. And we have had instances of aircraft trying to turn around on uh, narrow airstrips and actually get bogged. So we want to find out the surface and the suitability. We also want to get an idea of um, when the aircraft, well, when an aircraft last landed here. And that's obviously not going to be known from doing an airstrip inspection. So before we leave, we would want to try and call the station owner or the uh, person responsible for the airstrip and get a bit of information and take this potentially with a grain of salt because everyone's going to say, my strip's great and uh, Buggerlug's used it the other day and it was just fine. Definition of the other day, I think we all use that term the other day, meaning weeks or months ago. It doesn't necessarily it doesn't necessarily mean just the other day. So be mindful of the information you get and have an idea of what sort of questions you're going to ask. When was it used? By what? Has there been any rain? Uh, have you looked at the airstrip today? Is there any wildlife around? Are there any terrain or obstacles or anything else? All right. I've had reports of decent airstrips, got down there and there's termite mounds very, very close to the edge of the strip. If you're a single-engine aircraft, probably not as big a deal, but uh, in multi-engine aircraft, when your engine's hanging out off the edge, it's very much an issue that you could hit that termite mound with a prop. So just have an idea of what you're going to ask. The other thing you can do is get the strip owner to do a vehicle inspection for you. A, just to clear any wildlife off, and if you get them to do that, make sure you do it as soon as or close to your arrival as possible so that the strip is cleared and uh, animals are dispersed. Bear in mind that animals tend to disperse and can just come straight back. Some are bloody stubborn, so beware of that. But they can check the surface for you. And there's some guidance on this in the old cap, and there's an aviation, uh, sorry, advisory circular that uh, got this info as well, that um, a vehicle travelling in a stiffly sprung vehicle Travelling at about 75 kilometres per hour um, should be able to get a reasonably smooth ride down the strip. If it's bouncing up and down and shaking everybody around, it's probably going to be a little bit rough. What's the threat of a rough strip? The nose wheel. All right. Especially for retractable undercarriage aircraft, but even um, fixed gear. But we can do undercart damage very, very easily. So we don't want to be getting in a position where we're going to tear that nose wheel off. Um, if it's a wet runway, then 
The vehicle can be driven about 15 kilometres per hour in a zigzag pattern. Obviously, we've been mindful that we don't want to be churning up the runway strip surface, um, but that will get a left-to-right assessment of the strip. And the tyre imprint shouldn't be going any more than about 2.5 centimetres deep, 25 mil. So they're obviously going to have to look at that. But if they're getting big tyre marks, then there's probably too much surface uh, mud and gunk there that it's going to potentially pose a problem. So just be mindful of that. All right, but as I say, it's not all about length. The surface condition, as I said, we're looking for water ruts, especially if it's just been animals, um, sorry, uh, rain, but animal burrows, right? There's uh, rabbits, foxes, wombats. I know there's been wombat warrens that have uh, had holes inside of strips that are just waiting for a a wheel to go into. And like I said, termite mounds. But what about wind direction? Most of these strips aren't going to have a windsock available so how are we going to tell the wind well we can use the gps we can use dust all those things we talked about in forced landings they're all available to us so we can check that out um but if the wind's coming from the left and right and there is high terrain trees or obstacles around be aware of wind shear even just on normal approaches with a windsock i've had students come down drop down between the tree line and then just drop and get a bit of wind shear and get shocked. Not expecting at all. Because they did their strip inspection. They looked at the runway. They saw that it was all fine, came around and landed. But they didn't look at the conditions. So make sure you take everything in when you're having a look at the airstrip condition there. As always, if you need to or you're a little bit worried, you can do a soft field approach and landing with a little bit of power on just to help cushion the aircraft down, stop it, keep the nose wheel off the ground as long as possible and settle it down for landing. All right, so I hope that um, gives you a little bit of insight into how to prepare for a uh, remote airstrip arrival. Um, For weather information, I didn't go into that. You can check out the dry season weather info Um, We do talk about different things there, but obviously sources available is the GAF, nearby TAFs to get a bit of an idea of what's going on. Uh, You've got Windy, you've got several other uh, radar, satellite imagery and other things, but also the number on the GAF you can call the Bureau of Met. They strongly encourage you to and just tell them, look, I'm going here. I haven't got any accurate weather, obviously, but uh, can you provide a little bit more insight for me and they'll be only too happy to give you a hand so don't forget that that is a source that's available to you all right guys thank you for listening again apologies for the delay uh, getting this one out i'll try and be on time for monday Um, should be feeling much better by then and uh, got some good stuff coming as i said any uh, issues, questions, comments, feedback, I'd love to dearly hear from you. Info at trentrobinsonaviation.com.au. Flick me an email. Love to hear from you all. And um, also you can follow me on the socials, Instagram and Facebook. Search for Trent Robinson Aviation and I will be there. Also, if you'd love to support the show, I'd dearly love to have it. Uh, you can uh, support me from a price of a coffee to a half-decent meal per month. Uh, monthly subscription or a one-off subscription fee um, on Patreon. 
patreon.com forward slash fight training australia go and have a look and uh, there's also posts on there just like any other social media platform that i'm putting on there that aren't anywhere else as well all right guys until next time remember the golden rule aviate navigate communicate cheers (laughs) 